There we go. My name is Norton. Uh, I forgot to introduce myself before, in case you happen to be new or joining us for the first time. This morning, I'm one of the pastors, and um, we've been having a whole lot of fun over the last uh, few weeks because we've been in this uh, sermon series called um, From Generation to Generation, and we've been talking about generational differences. Um, Two weeks ago, uh, we looked at um, five different generations that exist in our culture today and even in our community of faith. We talked a little bit about um, builders, baby boomers, Gen Xers, uh, millennials, and Gen Yers. And we talked about how each generation has um, some unique uh, qualities, some unique traits, um, some unique tendencies, um, unique challenges, and even maybe some distinctive ways that they approach God and approach uh, faith. And then last week, we talked about life stages. And we looked at um, four main life stages that all of us go through, right? Adolescence, and then young adulthood, middle adulthood, and then late adulthood, and how each of those stages in life also has some unique qualities. And if you're in the first half of life, if you're in adolescence or young adulthood, um, then you maybe view your life and the world around you and your purpose in life and even your faith in one way. Um, and then oftentimes at some point in our lives and we sort of transition to middle adulthood or late adulthood, sort of the second half of life, sometimes we start to see life differently and we start to experience life differently. We might even begin to experience our faith um, very differently. So we've given you a ton of information over the last couple of weeks, and we want to turn the corner at this point in the series and begin to get a little bit practical because we think there's some really important things that we all need to do with this information. Because here's the deal. Um, If you are um, a parent, uh, then your kids are from a different generation than you, and they're in a different life stage than you. If your parents are still alive, then your parents are from a different generation and at a different life stage. You probably work with people who are from a different generation or a different life stage. Maybe your boss is from a different generation or life stage. Maybe the people underneath you that report to you are from a different generation or life stage. Maybe the customers that you often serve or the students that you teach, maybe they're in a different generation or life stage. Maybe the neighbors that live next to you, maybe they're in a different generation or life stage. Maybe the people that you're sitting around right this moment are in a different generation or a different life stage. And so the reality is we're always interacting with people that are at different places in life than we are. And we often talk about gender differences or socioeconomic differences or ethnic differences, but oftentimes we forget about age differences and and life stage differences and generational differences. And those are just as important because we believe that if you want to have healthy people with all, healthy relationships with all the people that you interact with in life, and if we want to be a healthy community of faith, then there's some really important things that we need to start doing as it relates to these generational and life stage differences. And so next week, we're going to talk about all the things we need to start doing because before we get there, there's a few important things we have to stop doing. We have to stop doing. Here's what's first. We need to stop blaming each other, right? We need to stop blaming each other. Why is it that whenever something goes wrong in our lives or in our nation or in our world, we immediately want to assign blame 
to someone else. We want to figure out who's responsible, who are the people that we need to blame, and of course we always immediately eliminate ourselves because it's not us, right? It's not our fault. And for the past five years or so, um, everyone's been blaming millennials for everything, right? And what do millennials keep saying? It's not my fault, right? The millennial answer everything. So we keep blaming you for everything, and you keep saying over and over, it's not our fault. And so now, in the last year or so, the pendulum has started to swing the other way, and now it's all the baby boomers' fault, right? They're the ones that have ruined everything in our lives and in our world. They're the ones that are leaving a mess for all of us to inherit. And then finally, someone kind of smart came along and said, you know, maybe it's not the boomers' fault, and maybe it's not the millennials' fault. Maybe we just need to start blaming Generation X, right? (laughs) That's whose fault it is. Not really, but that's what some people are saying. Um, And here's the deal. We can laugh about Uh, that. But isn't it true? Isn't it true that we often think, we maybe don't even say it out loud, but we think it's young people. It's kids these days, right? With their terrible habits and their narcissistic ways, right? It's kids these days. It's all their fault. Or it's the old people. It's all their fault. I mean, look at all the people leading our country right now. They're all over 50, and they're the ones that are making this such a mess. And it's all the old people that voted for the old people. And then the old people say, well, if you cared about anything outside of your own life, you would actually vote, right? And then you could do something about it. And on and on it goes. It's somebody else's fault. Because something deep down inside of us wants to assign blame to somebody else. And this goes really, really far back. This isn't new. Think for a second, what's the oldest story in the Bible? Not a trick question there. Oldest story about people, Adam and Eve, right? And even if you didn't grow up going to church, even if you haven't even read much of the Bible, we all know the Adam and Eve story. God comes to Adam and Eve, and he specifically tells them, right, you can eat from any tree in this entire garden, just don't eat from that tree. It's poisonous. The fruit from that tree will kill you. So don't eat from that one. There's all these other trees. They're all amazing. There's mango trees. Like you can eat the mangoes all day long. Just don't eat from that one tree. And what do Adam and Eve do? They go eat from that one tree. They ignored what God said. And so God comes back to them to find out what had happened And God says, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman that you put here with me. So it's her fault, and it's actually kind of your fault, God, because you were the one that put her here with me. It's the woman's fault. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. So then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent (laughs) deceived me, and I ate. See, it's always somebody else's fault. It's her fault. It's God's fault. It's not even humans' fault. It's the snake's fault, right? Anyone else we can find to blame, we will. Whenever something goes wrong, our immediate response is to blame someone else. And we don't just do it in an individual way now. We do it with groups. We create whole groups of people. It's their fault. It's all their fault. They're the ones to blame. And we have to stop doing that. We have to stop doing that because, A, 
We're often wrong. They're not actually the ones to blame. B, it's often a whole lot more complex than that. It's not one person's fault. It's way more complex than that. And C, what if it actually is partly their fault? What if they are to blame? Is assigning them blame and pointing it out and telling them, does that actually help at all? You see, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're here today and you want to model a different way or you want to move forward in a different way, I think we have to stop blaming others. And I love what the Apostle Paul says. He wrote this to some of his friends in a city called Colossae. He wrote, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, holy just means different, unique. You're to be different than everyone else. Since God chose you to be different than everyone else, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. That language is so helpful. Make allowance for other people's faults. Forgive them. That's what God has done for you. Your main thing needs to be love. That's what you show, not blame to others. So number one, uh, we need to stop blaming each other. But here's the second thing. Um, we need to stop dismissing each other. Uh, Bruce Sonnenfeld sent me some funny comics this past week. Um, I'll just read them for you at the top. Uh, this is apparently an older guy. If you ask me, the whole internet is a waste of time. Okay, boomer. Right? First of all, I'm not a baby boomer. And furthermore, okay, again, boomer. Right? <laughs> Then the next week, I would appreciate it if you would stop saying, okay, boomer. I'm not a baby boomer. I'm Generation X. Do the math. That is, if people your age do math anymore. Okay, boomer. <laughs> now he's talking to his wife. Jeremy has been needling me with that okay, boomer put down. It's so dismissive, so snarky. I wouldn't have dared talk to an adult like that. Okay, boomer. <laughs> right? <clears throat> So it's kind of funny, um, and yet there's a couple of great insights in this comic. The first is this dismissive tone that is so easy to take towards other people who are from different generations or who are in different life stages. And I think we're all prone to this, but I think especially younger people are prone to this. I mean, millennials, let's be honest, you guys got picked on so much over the last five or ten years, you got tired of it, that you just came up with this great phrase, right? Two words, okay, boomer, right? <laughs> Whatever, okay, boomer. You guys are just, just keep living your way in your old person's world, like, okay, boomer. Um, that's the millennial dismissal. Gen Xers, uh, we're not off the hook. Um, we were really good at this, especially when we were younger as well, do you remember what our term of dismissal was? We reduce it to one word, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever, right? Whatever, whatever. Gen Zers, you um, have come up with your own way of dismissing um, us older folks. Um, I'm guessing this, you don't even use words. This is the way you do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <clears throat> and there's something funny, right, about this. There's something harmless about the facepalm, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe 
they think that it's okay, boomer, or whatever, or the face palm. And yet, aren't these all indicative of the way that it's really easy for us to dismiss other people? And the way that we dismiss other people is often less about generation. I think it's a lot more about age and life stage. When you're young, right? Whenever you go through adolescence or young adulthood, it's really easy to dismiss people that are older than you because they don't get you. They don't understand your world. They don't understand the pressures that you face. The things that they put on you are oftentimes unrealistic, right? They don't understand technology, and you always have to show them all those things. And it's just easy to dismiss them, and so we quickly do that. But if we just pause and think for a second, what happens when we dismiss someone? We minimize them. We're minimizing their perspective, their thoughts, their feelings. We reduce them. We're reducing someone to the one thing about them that we don't really like. We invalidate them. What do you know? Okay, boomer. Like, what do you know about my life? And ultimately, we reject them. That's what dismissal is. And sometimes we do that because it's actually been done to us. We were dismissed, and it hurt. And so we lash out or we lash back because we want them to know how it feels as well. But I think if we all pause, we would know that doesn't help, right? That doesn't move anything forward. So we need to stop dismissing each other. So stop blaming each other, stop dismissing each other. And then here's the third thing. We need to stop lecturing each other. You see, uh, if the younger generations are prone to being dismissive, I think older generations are prone to lecturing. I saw this. Oh, you're a boomer? Please tell me more about how terrible my generation is. Right? Right? It's partly true. What is it about passing 40 or 50 years old that makes all of us older folks just want to lecture everyone who's younger than us? I mean, sometimes it's that attitude, well, it's their fault, and somebody has to tell them it's their fault, right? So it should be me. Uh, Sometimes it's, well, you know, that's not how we did it. That's not how it was when I was your age, right? And in that moment, when we do that, it feels so right and so appropriate to tell them how much harder it was when we were their age. And I do this all the time as a parent, and then 15 minutes later, I realize, oh my gosh, I hate hated that when my parents did that to me, right? I hated that when I got these lectures. What makes me think they like it any different than I did? We think we're helping, but we're not. Sometimes when you pass 40 or 50 years old, as Stephen talked about last week, you really do gain some new wisdom in life. You gain some really valuable experiences and you're able to look back on life in hindsight and realize some things that you didn't know. And you have these deep feelings of, oh my gosh, if I had known this when I was 20 or if I had known this when I was 30. And then we take all of that rich wisdom and we take all of that learning and all of that perspective and we have such good intentions and then we lecture people about it. We lecture every teenager, every 20 or 30-year-old we can find. And we think it's helping, but 90% of the time, it's not. I don't think millennials and Gen Zers 
want our lectures. I think they want our wisdom. I think they want our time. I think they want mentors and friends. But they don't want lectures. They want someone who will talk with them, but not talk at them. They want your wisdom, but they just don't need your lectures. So we need to stop lecturing each other. Here's the fourth thing we need to stop doing. We need to stop judging each other. Um, And in some ways, this is really the heart of blaming and lecturing and dismissing, right? When we blame someone else or when we dismiss someone else or when we lecture someone else, really what we're doing is we're putting them in a category and because of their generation and because of who they are, we're judging them because of their age or their life stage. Oh, well, she's a millennial. Of course she acts that way, right? Or, oh, he's a boomer, of course he has that perspective. Or, oh, he's a teenager, of course, what do they know, you know, about this? And judging people just because they're younger or just because they're a certain life stage or just because they're from a certain generation isn't anything new. It's not anything new. Look at this. This is from Aristotle in the 4th century B.C. Young people are high-minded because they have not yet been humbled by life, nor have they experienced the force of circumstances. They think they know everything and are always quite sure about it. Don't say amen to Aristotle, right? (laughs) But he was thinking that. Uh, Horace, 1st century B.C., talked about the beardless youth does not foresee what is useful and they squander all of their money. And look at this. This is from the Apostle Paul. He was writing to his friend Timothy. He was a young guy, and he was helping Timothy become a leader. And he says to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Because he knows people are looking down on Timothy. He knows that people are judging Timothy. He knows that a lot of people don't think Timothy has what it takes. And he's saying, no, no, no. Don't let people look down on you or judge you just because you're young. And in all of these instances, it's putting someone in a category and judging them. And we still do that, right? We put people in categories or groups and we associate them with something we don't like about that group and we make judgments and assumptions about that. And we've all acknowledged, I think, how terrible and destructive that is when it comes to ethnicity, right? To, to, to put someone in a group just because of their ethnicity and then make judgments and associations and assumptions about that. We see how terrible that is, but it feels like we're still doing that when it comes to age and life stage and generation. Look at what Jesus uh, famously said. We all know this, right? Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged and the measures you use, it will be measured to you. And then the Apostle Paul said, he was writing a letter to his friends in Rome, he said, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgments on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. They're they're talking about two different topics, but basically they're saying the same thing. Do you want to be judged the same way that you're judging others? Do you want to be put in a category? Do you like it when people do that? If you don't want that done to you, don't do it to other people. Which leads to the last thing that we need to stop doing. We need to stop misseeing each other. Stop misseeing each other. Missee is an actual word. 
Uh, we don't use it very often anymore, but it literally means to see someone or see something wrongly or incorrectly, to have the wrong view of someone or something. And that's why we misjudge people, because we missee them. We don't see other people for who they really are. We missee them. Jesus has this classic teaching on judgment. He says this, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? So you're focused on something that's wrong with someone else when there's this massive thing that's wrong with you. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And as I read this passage over and over this past week, it hit me. I began to notice all of the seeing language in this one short passage. Jesus is saying that when you judge other people, it's all about how you see them. It's about what you're paying attention to. It's about what you're focused on. All you're seeing is their faults. All you're seeing is the thing that you think is wrong with them. And you're not actually seeing your own faults. And in fact, it's almost as if you have a barrier that's making you not be able to see them very well. You have this, this way of seeing them, and that's actually your biggest fault. And you're never going to actually be able to help them until you remove the thing that's making you miss-see them. It's all about your eyes and how you see people. And so the question is, when you see a teenager... You just see someone who's on their phone all the time, right? When you see a millennial, do you see someone who's 25 or 30 or 35, and it's like they still haven't figured out what they want to do in life, and that's all they're about? When you see a Gen Xer, do you see someone going through a midlife crisis and trying to figure out what makes sense anymore? When you see a baby boomer, do you see someone who thinks they have everything figured out and they just can't wait to lecture everyone else about it? Or can we check ourselves? And before we see people according to those categories, can we see that everyone is so much more complex than that? Can we see people who are people? And they have thoughts just like I do, and they have feelings just like I do, and they have dreams just like I do, and they have scars just like I do. Can we see people that no matter what their age is, no matter what stage in life they're in, no matter what generation they're from or what their tendencies are or how they view can we see people the way God does as his sons and daughters? That's how he sees people. He doesn't see people according to all our characters. He just sees people with his grace and his love and his mercy as his sons and daughters. So, let's stop blaming Let's stop dismissing, let's stop lecturing, let's stop judging, and let's stop misseeing. Because I think if we'll stop doing those things, we can start to see and experience people in life in a so much better way. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Lord, um, we pray that you would give us the eyes of Jesus. Um, I think of how many stories... And how many ways that he just saw people 
people that were hurting, people that needed healing. He saw the Pharisees with love. He saw all kinds of people in all sorts of situations, and he just loved people. And so, God, I pray that you would help us see people the same way and even see ourselves that way. And God, whatever it is that you're challenging each one of us to do, I pray that you would help us to take it seriously and you give us the courage to trust in you and to trust that your way of seeing and living and experiencing is so much better. I pray this in your name. Amen.